I, I realized this week um, that there is a, uh, an attribute of God that is uh, heavily emphasized. And in fact, this, there is a scripture in the Old Testament that is, the scripture that's repeated more in the Old Testament and the New Testament has to deal with the attributes of God. And so I'm going to put you to the test this week. And if you were to guess what attribute of God is found in the most repeated verses of the Old Testament and the New Testament, I'm going to give you a list. I'm going to go in alphabetical order so I don't fudge you by, in the testing process here. So would that attribute be that God is almighty, almighty, God is compassionate, God is holy, God is jealous, God is loving, or God is sovereign. Okay, I know. Some of you are very serious about this. I'll read it again. Is God almighty, compassionate, holy, jealous, loving, sovereign? What's that? Is there another option? <laughs> no. One of those are the, the one of the six are the ones that is repeated most. It's a good question. So let me read you the verse. Let me give you the, the lead up. This verse is first found in Exodus chapter thirty three, and the lead up to this story is Moses has gone up to the mountain. He has received the Ten Commandments. And he, as he comes down the mountain, he hears what? He hears a loud noise. It sound, almost sounds like war, but it's not war. It's that there is a grand party going on downstairs. Uh, and it is the children of Israel. And they have, in the absence of Moses, they have gone nuts. And they are partying and they, are, they have... Uh, Put together, they have thrown all their possessions together and built themselves a nice golden calf to remind them of where they came from in Egypt. And they're worshiping and there's revelry. Uh, and they are just going nuts. And so Moses is, is told about this as he's coming down the mountain. But when Moses sees it, Moses goes berserk. He, at first he, he tells God, that, you know, we should have mercy on them. But, but when he sees it, uh, uh, Moses wants to go nuts on them as well and have, uh, have his judgment. So in Exodus 33, 19, Moses asks for a special hearing with God in which he gets to see God. He gets to have as much of God as he can handle. And God says, I can't, I can't just show you myself because it will be too much for you. It will destroy you. So what I will do is I'll have you turn, I'll put you in a cleft of a rock, and you can see the backside as I pass by. And he says this, and he said, verse 33, uh, chapter 33, verse 19, and, he's, and, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Did anybody get it right? Gracious. God is gracious. That's, that's what God leads with. I am gracious. 
And so we see this report repeated all through the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. He's slow to anger, quick to forgive. Our God is gracious. Now, all these attributes are equal in him. But when he introduces himself, he says, I want you to know, God is saying he is gracious. He is a God of grace. He is a God of compassion. And that's where we find our story. As you've been following along, if you've been a, a part of our series, we are on the last week uh, of the, the book of Jonah. So if you have one of the Bibles that you got in the back, uh, we're on page 775. And today's uh, story is uh, the end, as you can see, and it has to do with Jonah and the plant. Now, you and I are used to probably knowing the story of Jonah, and we call these, this collection of chapters, we call it Jonah and the whale, right? But in Hebrew literature, the, the Jewish people call this Jonah and the plant, so we'll see in just a minute why the plant is so important. It's not as exciting to make a movie about Jonah and the plant as it is Jonah and the whale, uh, nor to, to put these pictures all over the, the children's, uh, the wing of your, of your Sunday school. But today we're going to hear about Jonah and the plant and a God who is compassionate. There are three questions that are asked in Jonah chapter 4, and we're going to touch on each of those questions. Let's start in, the, in, the, in verse 1. This is right after Jonah uh, has witnessed God's compassion. You know, as the story goes, God had called Jonah to leave wherever he was, more than likely in Jerusalem, and to go to that place, that dreaded place of Nineveh. And instead of going to Nineveh, he decides, we don't know during the story at this point why he decides not to go, but he does decide to go in a different direction and he goes to, to, uh, makes his way towards Tarshish, which is clearly nowhere near Nineveh. And so he goes down to the city of Joppa and there he uses Joppa as his jumping off place to go in the opposite direction. And you know as the story goes, God appoints a wind to come and to to uh, make the sea become uh, unruly and treacherous such that they, everyone knows they're out to die. And so I'll, I'll, I'll skip ahead in the story, but we know that the sailors throw him overboard, a giant fish swallows him up, takes him to the bottom of the ocean, and they're bottom of the ocean. God provides for, for, for Jonah and provides him a way out. He calls out to God, and God then rescues him and vomits him up on the shore. We looked last week, probably a little time after this, God comes back to Jonah a second time and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, and when you get there, I'll give you the message. And so he finally obeys what God says, and he goes to the city of Nineveh, and when he's there, he preaches that very short message. In 40 days, you will be destroyed. Or, remember, from last week, if you were here, if you didn't hear last week, this is really interesting. You should go back and, and review it on, at RedeemerBrenham.org. That it also could be, after 40 days, there will be a change of heart. God's compassion, right? And so, in a miraculous event, not of just him being thrown up by this fish, not only that, the, that he would go a second time, not only that God would have compassion and call his prophet again, but the people actually respond to this short message 
and have a time of repentance across the nation. Even their animals were forced to repent from their ways, wearing sackcloth and ashes, uh, ashes, humbling themselves before God and turning from their evil ways. And this is we at the end of the story that we hear that God then saw their repentance and he relented. He didn't give them what was due them, God's compassion. Verse 4, chapter 1. Sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. But what happened displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a, what? Gracious God. He knew the scriptures. He knew the story of Israel, right? I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. Oh my gosh. For it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? So this hidden thing that we didn't, we could have guessed. Why did he go to Tarshish? He went to Tarshish because he was afraid of a gracious God giving grace to people he didn't want to receive grace. And he was angry, so angry that he was willing to die again and again. That's pretty mean, isn't it? I mean, do you feel like that's a little over the top? Yeah. He does not want this grace and compassion because of his hatred so much for these people. He did not want God's grace to fall on them as well. Do you do right to be angry? Does he have any justification for being angry towards God? for his compassion. Well, he shouldn't, right? I mean, it's obvious to us. He should not. What is the grace that that Israel has received so far? That they have been a disobedient people. They've walked their own way. I mean, the story of Exodus chapter 32 and 33 is a perfect example. They couldn't be any worse towards God than they are, but God is gracious to them. It reminds reminds us of a story that Jesus told in the New Testament a parable about this young man, you're familiar with it, who was in his father's house with his brother and things were all right, but he became very dissatisfied at that home. And so he said, Dad, what I'd like you to do is to give me my inheritance now. Give me all the stuff that's going to happen when you die. Give it to me now so I can use it when I want to use it, the way I want to use it. And he, some of us have teenagers like this, like, I just want to go have fun And so he says, okay. The father says okay to this. And he takes his stuff and he goes and he lives in riotous living. The the Bible says he just parties up. He makes all the wrong kinds of friends and spends all kinds of money. And when the money runs out, the parties go away and so do the people. And so he finds himself in the midst of the famine that God appoints upon the people. And there he is wallowing to the pigs, eating the stuff that's left over that they don't eat. Blech. 
and decides, okay, it, it's, better, it's better if I were to go home and be the least of the servants than to live like this, because even the servants, my father's dad, my dad's servants don't even live like this. So he goes back, and in this beautiful s- story, the father is waiting for him, as if he'd been out there every day hoping that he would come back. And so the father sees him as a far off, and what does he do? He gathers up the, the hems of his garment, and he starts running towards his son, this son who stinks, who has been so unfaithful, been so unkind, had been so foolish, he runs to that boy and bear hugs him. This is a surprise to everyone in the story except for the father because he's always waiting for his son. Because our God is gracious. Our God is gracious and he is compassionate. And when he grabs his son and he stinks, he stinks in so many ways. He's not angry. He's brokenhearted. Because our God is compassionate. Have you ever had a hug like that from our Lord? And all your stink. When you didn't want to go to him, you, you couldn't face him. Oh, but I stink, I know. And it breaks my heart. I love you. Our God is compassionate. I think for some of you today, you can't look God straight, right? They may, today you may come in and can't look, dare not look him. In the eye, not, not look directly at him. And today, in all of our stink, he just grabs us and he says, I love you. I don't deserve it. Yeah, none of us deserve it. But he's holding you tight today. They go home, and there at the house is the good boy. You know how the story goes. And so dad says, we're going to get the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. It's going to be on. It's, it's a different kind of party that he was used to. This is a party in dad's house. And, and they, they had this big party. And the little brother, I mean, the older brother gets upset because dad never had these kinds of parties for him and for his friends. Jeez. That's not fair. Why would you let my stinking brother who's, you know what he's done. You're going to give him a party? What about me? It's not fair. So he becomes angry. Do you think Jesus may have had this story in mind as he, he shared that he would maybe reflecting on Jonah? Do you have a right to be angry, brother? You've been in the house the whole time. You've received the benefits of being in the kingdom. Things have been well for you, and yet you are angry because I've given grace to somebody else, because I've had compassion for someone else. When I say we have to be careful as the church, that we as the people of God are, are sitting and living under the blessings of God, just being here in this fellowship, and we forget how miserable our life without him is going to be, used to be. We, we forget the song that that Jonah sank when he was at the, at the bottom as he praised God and thanked him for being his deliverer. We forget that we've been delivered. 
We have the amnesia of grace. Did you hear that? We have the amnesia of grace because we have been under grace and received so much of his gifts and his compassion that we forget how bad it was. We forget that life is better for us now. It's not perfect, but it's better for us now. We have peace. We didn't have peace before. We have power. We didn't have power before. We have the Holy Spirit. We didn't have the Holy Spirit before. And we become comfortable in this place. Be careful, church. That it causes us to have an amnesia for the lost. We forget about others' pains and struggles and we're not as quick to give grace. God's grace towards us is a gift that keeps on giving. It's, it's worthy of continued thanksgiving. Remember what he has done. The big, big deliverance requires big thanks. And if Elijah was here today, he'd say, Amen. Ongoing thanks, a lifetime of thankfulness. Have you gotten over the fact that God's extended grace to you today? Have you gotten over it? Oh, I pray we haven't. Is it old news, forgotten news? Or is it fresh? As you sing today, is your heart renewed and refreshed and you remember the fact that God has extended grace to you and to me? God cares about the prodigal, but he cares about the son who's in the home all the time. In the uh, Jewish calendar, Yom Kippur is, uh, is something that celebrated the Day of Atonement uh, after the, the New Year's, the Jewish New Year's. And during uh, Yom Kippur, they read the whole book of Jonah in a public gathering in the synagogue. It is a time of remembrance of how God has been gracious to them and that they are to be gracious to others as well. It's a time to remember our need for repentance, even though we fall in the, in the family of God, our need to be humble before him. I pray that these scriptures today are a reminder to our community that we, are to, we serve a gracious God, a compassionate God who wants us to have compassion for others. The story goes on. I haven't gotten to the story yet. <laughs> and so Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade. Now you can think about like a pergola kind of thing. He's got branches and stuff, and so there's lots of, it's shady, but it's not perfectly shady. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he, that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> but God said, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? What is wrong with our man Jonah? God sends this plant it gives him comfort. And then God sends a worm, and the worm kills the plant. Do you, are you well to be angry for the plant? See, what God does is 
he gives Jonah another grace, right? A grace upon a grace. So does Jonah have to have a plant to give him extra shade? No, no, it's like, it's like gravy. It's like whipped cream with the cherry on top. He's just giving him a little something kinder. Why is Jonah sitting there? He is hoping that God will relent from his relenting and destroy Nineveh again. So he's sitting there, still angry, right? He's being unrighteous, sitting there, waiting for the city maybe to be destroyed again. He builds up a place to shade himself, and then God sends this plant to cover the pergola to make him really, you know, the viney ones, you know, with the, the, the ivy stuff going, you know. It's so beautiful, and one day he has this great plant, and he's hanging out under the pergola, under the ivy stuff, and he's just watching the city so he can be in comfort as he is angry. God is kind even in his mess. We should say thank you, Lord, for that, because we still have some mess, right? Even though he's unrighteous, God still sends the plant to him. Even though he goes the opposite direction, God sends the whale for him. And so God is giving him a grace. Now watch this. What happens is he sends this he sends an east wind. He appoints an east wind. Do you remember the wind in the story already? We saw the wind already. God appoints the wind to come and, and come after Jonah and his boat while he's, he's departing. This, this wind makes everything upset. Where else do we see the wind, God appointing the wind? We see God appointing the wind in the Red Sea, right? Where he, he, he blows this great east wind again and it parts the Red Sea. You see, the wind obeys God. The plants obey God. The worms obey God. Because it is all God's creation and he is in charge. He is sovereign. He is king over all these things. And God appoints these winds to come and upset the apple cart. You see, where you think you're on firm ground, he shakes you up a little bit. And so for many of us, we've experienced that east wind. It's come and blown our way. And the things we thought were settled and calm, God disrupts them. Amen. And things get messy and we feel like out of control. We can't handle it anymore. We don't know where things are going to end up. Our lives are messy. Our people are messy. Our work is messy. Nothing is working just right. And he upends all of those things to remind us that he is God of all. He is God of all of this. And you and I are not. That's a hard realization, isn't it? You see, Jonah wants to hold on to his anger because that's who Jonah is. I don't like these people. I don't want to go to them. I don't want you to go to them. But God says, but I'm God. And you're my man. And I'm a God of compassion. So you, Jonah, should be a prophet of compassion. So you, church, me, we should be ministers of God's compassion. But Jonah, for a moment there, he's so excited about his little plant with his, you know, 60-inch TV watching the destruction. But he's angry now. The plant's gone. But Jonah, did you plant that plant? No. Did you water that plant? No. None of those things. That was a grace that I gave you. Now I'm starting to make everybody a little upset, I think. Grace can cause an amnesia for us. As we get comfortable, 
we kind of build up our own bubble, the way we want our life to be. Meanwhile, there's Nineveh out there that is struggling. There's Nineveh that is living in darkness. There are neighbors who are hurting. There's family members that are just really tough to be around. And they are in need of some great compassion. And it's much more comfortable for us to keep our routine, our place, our people, and not leave that. There's a danger, grace, because grace can make us so comfortable. We can just rejoice so much in the grace that we forget about the compassion for others. Story goes on. He says, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah says, yes. (laughs) I do do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. I don't know. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? And that's the end of the book. Seems a little abrupt, doesn't it? You almost want to like, sir, that's it? Cattle? The end? God's response to Jonah is a question of his own. So what do you think? What did you expect? Don't you know me now? I'm a God of compassion. You're worried about the plant? Shouldn't I be more worried? Shouldn't you be more worried about there's 120,000 people in the city? Things are going well at Redeemer. It is a grace. He has provided people. He's provided great leaders. He's created this great place, 45 acres. He has made us a wonderful, wonderful resource to our community. There is great unity and peace among the people. There is, God has blessed us. Our finances are in order. Amen. If we become comfortable, church, and we forget there's a lost world out there, oh my, how quickly that plant can wither. God has something great for us. And it means that we're going to have to be uncomfortable along the way and see our neighbors as they are. And we're going to be uncomfortable and be willing to be made uncomfortable Because that's what happens when you run into Ninevites. You don't get things the way you want them. I'm not saying that we need to change our theology. I'm saying we need to live out our theology. What do we really care about? Being comfortable? 
Or are we going to be prophets of this compassionate God? I like to title my little subline for the book of Jonah is Merciful God, Merciless Prophet. What will be the title, the subtitle for Redeemer? Merciful God, compassionate God. I pray that it will be compassionate people. Let us see the world in need of the grace that has been lavished on us and extend those mercies wherever we go. To our neighbors, in those off-the-book relationships where it's not publicized by the community, it's on those things that we publicize as we go out and do crossover basketball camp or we go to the nursing homes or, or wherever, wherever you go, be that conduit of grace and mercy to the world around us. So that our, our tagline is merciful God and merciful people.